Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. Thank you so much for joining me. As a reminder, every Saturday I air a Coach's Corner, which is usually an interview with someone I think that has a lot to contribute and someone that I think you can learn from, be inspired by. And then every Wednesday I air a unproduced, unscripted, unfiltered coaching session between me and someone that I don't know that books the session. And you get to really learn a lot by listening to those sessions. So I encourage you, if you are new to the show, go back and binge on a lot of the coaching sessions. Even if you think the title doesn't apply to you, you'll probably learn something. I especially liked last week's episode because it was relevant to me and I know so many people. It was about getting over the fear the other shoe is going to drop. So if you missed Wednesday's episode, go back and check that out. Also, we have our Inner Child Workshop coming up March 19th through 21st. It is virtual, taught via Zoom live by my husband and I. And if you can't make it or the time zones don't work, it is recorded and you have access to it for 30 days. So you can take the workshop. If you can't make it live, you can take it anytime. The Inner Child Workshop is a perfect workshop to do virtually because it is so much sacred, deep, intimate work between you and you. And you do not need to have memories of your childhood to attend uh, or benefit from the workshop. In fact, it doesn't really matter at all. This has been one of our most powerful workshops to date. We taught two level ones last year and one level two. And we still hear from people who had just profound healing, transformative uh, benefits from attending this workshop. So go to christinehasler.com slash innerchild. If money is the only thing in your way, make sure to email jill at christinehassler.com. We have scholarships available for this program. So if your heart and your gut say, oh, this is something that's really a fit for me, we don't want finances to stand in the way. So again, christinehassler.com slash inner child. Before I tell you about our guest today, Her name is Sahara Rose. We'll get to more later. You've heard me talk about Organifi, which is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. So I don't know if you know this, Drew Canoli is the Organifi founder, and he was on the show back, oh, I think it was September or October of 2017. I know the date because I interviewed him at my old home on the beach in Encinitas, and that's the year I lived there. And it was around my birthday, so that's how I remember. But it was a beautiful interview. You get to hear his story. And he started Organifi after experiencing his own transformation through the power of juicing superfoods. And he set out to inspire others by helping them transform their health. And Years later, Organifi was formed, and now it's this huge company that chooses the highest quality plant-based ingredients for optimal health. Each blend is science-backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers and contain less than three grams of sugar. I love their Organifi green juice, the red juice, um, the turmeric gold, the chocolate gold. I mean, it's just so yummy, so good for you. So easy to stay healthy using Organifi because you just mix it in a little water, put it in your smoothie or the Organifi gold or chocolate gold or Harmony are are like little powders that you mix with warm water, warm coconut milk, and it makes this delicious tea. And coming up on February 18th, 
Organifi is having an awesome promo. You buy one green juice canister and you get three free green juice travel packs with your order. So if you want to take advantage of that, or if you want to get 20% off on all Organifi products, go to Organifi.com slash over it and use the promo code over it to get 20% off your order. Go to Organifi.com slash over it today and stock up on all your yummy and nutritious superfoods. All right, now let me tell you about my guest for today. Sahara Rose is an ancient soul in a modern body. She's been called a leading voice for the millennial generation into the new paradigm shift by Deepak Chopra, who wrote the foreword of her books. She's a best-selling author of Eat, Feel Fresh, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, which we'll talk about on the show. You'll get to learn your type. She'll take us through the different Ayurvedic types and give you clues to what you are. And her book, A Yoga Path, and her new book, Discover Your Dharma, which we also talk about today. She also hosts the Highest Self podcast, the number one spirituality podcast on iTunes, and is founder of Rose Gold Goddesses, the Sacred Sisterhood Collective. And just because Sahara is a leading voice for the millennial generation doesn't mean this episode is just for people who are millennials. She drops some serious wisdom and tips for people of all ages, especially about discovering your dharma. So enjoy my talk with Sahara Rose. One, Sahara, I'm so happy to have you on the show. I know that people are just going to fall in love with you if they don't know you already. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Christine. I'm so excited to be here today. Well, you are just a wealth of knowledge and inspiration and you just radiate such love. And, you know, when I think of women who really embody the divine feminine, you, I think of you, you're one of the people that I think about, and it's just beautiful to see you create such a big impact in business, but do it without, you know, burnout and do it without having to follow kind of an old paradigm. And that's really, really what I want, where I wanted to start before we dive into some of your areas of expertise. What have you noticed really keeps you in that beautiful feminine energy and what pulls you out of it? Mm. So for me, when I am in alignment with my Dharma, with my purpose, I can feel the energy is moving through me rather than from me. It almost feels like I'm just tapped into this endless source of energy in the cosmos that is just channeling through my vessel and giving me the words to speak or write or share or ideas, et cetera. And it's really coming from this greater source. And it doesn't feel depletive because it's it's coming from like, imagine a waterfall. Like, does the waterfall ever run out of water? No, it's always tapped in. It's always flourishing and, and giving and restoring and healing and, and finding a new, and we all have access to this. It's actually the truth of who we are when we're living in alignment with our dharmas, our purposes, when we're stepping into our fullest expressions, it's almost like an oozing of creativity is, is coming through your entire vessel. And I haven't always been this way, but I can feel now when it's feeling forced or when it's feeling contrived or when I'm having to use a little bit too much motivation rather than inspiration. And for me, one of my biggest tools and practices is, is dance. And mm -hmm. that to me is my greatest spiritual practice of connecting to my body and, you know, for the feminine, especially our house of intuition is in our womb space. We are 
have always practiced body-based spiritual wisdom. So when I am dancing for me, particularly it's, it's belly dance. That is my, my practice, my daily practice. But when I'm in my hips and I'm circulating and I'm undulating and I'm shimmying and I'm moving energy through my body, ideas come through me that could have never come when I have been somatically in a stagnant space. So Mm. continuing my practice of dancing, letting my body be an expression of that waterfall like energy. And then the thoughts follow. Mm. And for all of you who are like, Ooh, belly dancing. I don't know if I could do that. Dancing to eighties music. I've noticed does the same thing. So whatever floats your boat is completely fine. It's about finding your way. And that's one of the things that I'm just echoing that you're sharing is that there's no necessarily right way to do it. It's just what feels good. And I know when I get a lot of questions about how do I get more into my feminine energy, I'm like, do what feels good. If I had like a dollar for every email I've gotten, it's like, what books do you recommend on getting into your feminine energy? I'm like, well, a a book isn't really how you do it. It's more about just feeling it and experiencing it. So, and, and I love your dance reels that you put out on Instagram there. They're awesome and always inspire me to dance. So thank you for that. (laughs) Uh, Yes, exactly. Follow what feels joyous because the whole point of it feeling joyful is because the universe source, whatever you want to call it, it wants us to do it. It's leading us in that direction. I always say that excitement are breadcrumbs guiding us towards our dharma. So follow where the energy is moving you towards. And I guarantee you something beautiful is there and it could just be a new practice that you find or following that red thread could take you to a whole iteration of your journey that you wouldn't have experienced otherwise if you did not initially just follow what was exciting for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you're an expert on is Ayurveda, which is the oldest health system, but new to so many of us in the Western world. Could you explain a little bit about what Ayurveda is? And well, yeah, let's just start there and then I'll kind of pick it apart a little bit. Mm. So as you mentioned, it is the world's oldest health system and it's the sister science of yoga based on the mind-body connection. So the word yoga means to yoke, to become one with the universe. So really it is a spiritual practice, whereas Ayurveda means the knowledge of life. It is its sister science, but also its predecessor. So how can we become one with the universe and get rid of our all of our thoughts and our egoic identity when our stomach hurts and we're anxious and we have a backache and all of these different mental and physical obstacles that we humans naturally experience? So Ayurveda was always meant to be practiced hand in hand alongside any form of spiritual practice to take care of the mind and to take care of the body. So one of the main premises of Ayurveda is that we're not all the same, that no meditation, food, drink, anything for one person, maybe medicine and for another, maybe poison. So they break it down into the elements. And these five elements are further broken down into three doshas. The word dosha means energy type or energy archetype. So the three doshas are vata, which is essentially air energy. It's really air and space. Pitta, which is essentially fire. And kapha, which is earth. So we are all a combination. We all have air-like qualities within us, fire-like and earth-like, but in varying amounts. And when we were born in our DNA, we have a natural 
predisposition, uh, an amount of each of these three doshas. So some of us are born very fiery, some more airy, some more earthy, some two doshas are very close. One is behind some three are quite similar, but it's always going to be its own unique combination. So for example, someone who's born with a lot of air energy, they're mentally going to be very creative. They have a lot of ideas, just like the air. It moves in so many different directions. You can never predict it. It sees things from a bird's eye perspective. It's quick moving, it's quick talking, it's quick thinking. So people who are born with more vata probably as children loved to imagine things and do improv and make up scenarios and do art projects and go to different dimensions. And, you know, they were very, very artistic, creative, imaginative kids. And those of us who are born with more pitta, more fire energy, tend to be more goal oriented. So as a child, you may have really loved to like play outside and, you know, get messy in the dirt or play a board game. And you love competitive sports, being part of a team. You loved camaraderie. You love to have a shared goal. And those of us who are born with more kapha, more earth energy as a child, probably you would have loved to take care of dolls and animals and play house and, you know, pretend that you're the mom and dive really deep with a friend and talk for hours. And you have more of these like earth, like maternal or paternal like qualities. And and you can be a combination of different ones. So within these doshas that we have, that we are born with, it's almost like the universe designed us to desire to do the very things that we are meant to do. Our dosha is related to our dharma. It's related to our purpose. However, we go through life and school tells us to be a certain way and our parents and our society and upbringing, et cetera, that most of us have shifted and have forgotten the truth of who it is that we are. So we may find ourselves, for example, you were that really artistic, imaginative kid. You love to play the piano, but you were, um, you're a man. So you thought you had to be aggressive and play sports and perform well in school and achieve. So that brought you into this very pitta like energy. And then maybe later in life, you got into bodybuilding or something like that. Cause you want to have a harder exterior on you, but it was always a force. And then maybe later on in your life, you start to have health issues that are related to excess fire, such as hyperacidity or rashes or heartburn, um, inflammation, as well as anger, irritation, impatience. These are all signs of too much fire. And the reason it's there is because you've kind of moved yourself into a dosha that you are not naturally born as. Your current dosha constitution is not matching with the one that you were born with. So you're experiencing all of these symptoms. Whereas, you know, for example, when I was writing my first book, I wanted to become Pitta. I was like, <laughs> I'm going to make myself become a Pitta. And I was like listening to all this Gary V and I was going to this boxing class mm. and like drinking all this like really spicy ginger shots and <laughs> soups and like everything I could to try to make, make myself more Pitta. And then I broke out into hives mm. everywhere. And my body was like, you cannot, you're not Gary V. You cannot handle this. <laughs> but someone else like him, he, he can, cause his body was designed to be more Pitta. So really what Ayurveda does is first allows us to recognize what are our natural patterns, give ourselves permission to be ourselves and then find where our imbalances are so we can bring ourselves back into balance no matter what is happening. And, you know, these doshic imbalances, it's 
so rich and so deep, but it's connected to your lifestyle habits, dietary, the seasons that mm. you're in, your environment. So many different factors can shift our, our doshas, but essentially you're always looking at what dosha is out of balance in excess and bringing it back into balance. Mm. And what are you? I mean, I could guess, but which one are you? What, what do you guess? Well, definitely not pitta. So it's, it's pitta, vata. And what's the other one? I always forget the other one. Kapha. I would say, oh, it's so hard. I would say definitely a vata kapha. Mm. No. So, so yeah, well, now that I know so much more, when I first started with Ayurveda, I also thought I was vata kapha because I, I couldn't see myself to be one of those like entrepreneur, get shit done. Like I, I wanted mm. to be that, but I couldn't do it. However, when I went deeper into myself, I actually did realize I had this pitaness in it, but it comes from a different place. So gotcha. my dosha actually is, is vata pitta. Um, I do have kapha like facial characteristics. So there's so, I mean, Ayurveda is so fun because you can kind of meet someone and like tell from their face and the size mm. of their wrist and like all these different things. But a kapha face tends to be round, um, like round face, big eyes, big lips, baby like qualities, soft. So think Oprah, Eckhart Tolle, Deepak Chopra, Robin Williams, Kim Kardashian, very kapha. Mm. Pitta tends to be really angular. So think you know, angular jaw, muscular pitta people tend to like, they're the type of people who work out once and they get like super muscular. So like your husband is mm -hmm. definitely very, very pitta. <laughs> You're, you actually have a lot of pitta too. Like your physiology is like, you have a strong body, but celebrities include Jennifer Lopez, Madonna, Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt. Um, and we could see like the strong jawline, et cetera. And those who are, of us who have more Vata faces tend to have longer faces, maybe more gaunt, thin hair, thin body types, maybe a hard time putting on muscle. So think Steve Jobs, you know, he's mm. such a Vata from his, you know, personality and his, he was a raw vegan too. Vatas tend to be drawn to raw foods. But his disposition, everything is super Vata. Think Kieran Knightley, Natalie Portman, Ashton mm. Kutcher. We can kind of see it in there and not everyone's going to totally fit one, one dosha and only be that we are all a combination of all three in varying amounts. However, most of us will tend to go towards one or maybe towards two. And that helps us see what are the right, you know, practices specifically for me. Mm -hmm. I think you told me back when I was on your podcast that you thought I was Vata Pitta. I think that's yes, what you told me. That's yeah. what I see. Cause you have the Vata like imagination and creativity and having different conversations. And you also have the Kafa like ability to go deep with people and hold space mm. and listen and, and nurture. But like, for example, someone who is just a pure, pure Kafa could be again, using Oprah as an example, you know, like Oprah is not really a coach. Like she's not there to like bust through your issues. Mm -mm. You know, she's here to hold space like a grandma would and mm. like, just like really love you through it and listen to you through it. And that's like that pure, like Ama the hugging saint is mm -hmm. like that pure Kafa energy to it. But also, you know, Robin Williams, like he just wanted to make the whole world laugh and mm. was, you know, playing these different roles that the shadow aspect for the Kafa is sometimes they don't feel safe speaking their own truth. Mm. And then, you know, someone like a Pitta, their shadow aspect could be burning themselves out or carrying all of the weight of the world on their shoulders and so much responsibility and then getting agitated. Why doesn't everyone else care as much as I do? 
Mm-hmm. And then that vata, it can be starting many different projects. And now I'm being drawn here and I'm going to travel there and I'm going to do this and like all these different <laughs> things and not being able to finish them and then getting very overwhelmed and wanting to run away from it. Mm. I love these kinds of, whether it's like Ayurveda or personality assessments or, you know, I, I love the different ways we can learn about ourselves. Um, human design is another one that I really love. And the great thing about learning our doshas is we can really start to unpack what kind of foods work well for us. Um, not only in terms of that we like, but for our digestion and for inflammation, like you said, and for our overall health. Would you mind just running through with each dosha and then we'll move on to our dharma but with each dosha like what are the kind of foods and movement to to add and to avoid yeah so when vata is out of balance so what that feels like in the body is bloating gas constipation dry skin dry hair dry nails and in the mind, anxiety, insomnia, restlessness, then you need more grounding. You need more warming. You need more oils. You need more like anchoring food. So mm. think of fall, you know, in the fall time, it's naturally cold and dry. And it's kind of like energetic back to school season. And we're trying on you know, like new identities and new things. Mm-hmm. And what we really need is some soup or we all want this pumpkin spice lattes. It's like the earth actually naturally provides us with the foods we need to come back into balance. So think fall foods, earthy foods, root vegetables, things literally grown under the earth are going to have more of these grounding like properties. So maybe you're someone who loves salad, but you recognize yourself in all of these different traits. So maybe you just saute your salad, you know, so it's warm at least, or you have it with some soup on the side and you have some hot tea before and after it. So it's more warming. One huge no for vatas, which was hard for me, is no frozen food while Mm. it's cold, like a smoothie with frozen fruits in it. That is very, very difficult for anybody to digest because it's so cold. But especially if your digestion is already weak, like a vata, then cold smoothies or, you know, if you're on your menstrual cycle as well, are going to be quite damaging for your digestion. So instead, maybe have some you know, oatmeal or eggs or, or stewed apples or something else that's more warm. Now for pitta, if you're experiencing acidity, rashes, hives, inflammation, breakouts, acne, and then in the mind, um, anger, irritation, impatience, just you know, that, uh, get off of me type of energy. Like your head is about to erupt into a volcano. Well, that means your pitta is out of balance and you need more foods that will bring that fire down. So more cooling, more hydrating. So think fruits, think salads, think herbs, think coconut, things that would naturally grow in the summertime. These are the foods that help cleanse our body and bring down our internal heat. So if you're living somewhere that's hot, you know, probably throughout the year, your pizza will be a little bit higher than someone who maybe lives in the Northeast where it gets quite cold. So if you are, you know, experiencing these pitta issues or you live in a pitta place or it's summer, if you're listening to this, have more of those cooling foods, cleansing foods. That doesn't mean you should not eat cooked foods anymore, but stay away from keeping them very spicy. Stay away from, you know, Nightshades can be very heating, like tomatoes, as well as garlic can be very heating. Mm -hmm. And those tend to be the foods that give people acidity. So, you know, anything that's related to feeling heating over, over acidic, that those are the foods that you're going to want to avoid with a pitta imbalance. 
And then if you have a kapha imbalance, so you are feeling sluggish, weight gain, low metabolism, low energy, you can't get up in the morning, maybe even depressed, then you're going to need to add some stimulation and some warmth into your diet. So spices are really good for you. And that doesn't mean like hot sauce, but everything from cardamom, cumin, coriander, fennel seeds, herbs, etc. Having things that are bitter would be very good for you. So like Brussels sprouts, asparagus, Swiss chard, but you don't want it to be so oily the same way that it would be for vata. Like vata is like add on the oil, like that is really good for you. Whereas kapha, since it's already kind of dense and oily and cold, um, you don't want to do too much oil. So instead maybe having something steamed or water sauteing or just doing less of the oils, um, also staying away from dairy, that's really imbalancing for the kapha energy and tends to create more mucus and phlegm and allergies, asthma, et cetera, which kapha tend to struggle with. Mm. So think stimulating, think bitter, think light. So that is like the kind of very, very, very basis. Ayurveda is such a rich and complex (laughs) topic. And, you know, there's so, there's so much more and I don't want anyone to blindly follow this. I do recommend working with an Ayurvedic practitioner and looking deeper into whatever it is that you're experiencing. And also know that have, have these tools in your pocket to, to add to whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And you have a quiz where people can find out their dosha as well. Don't you? Yes. The, the quiz is on my website and in, in my book, Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, it's like all of the specific health issues and stuff more further broken down into the mm-hmm. doshas. Mm-hmm. Which is such a good book. You're, and we'll talk about your second book in a moment. Um, I want to switch gears to our dharma. So maybe people have heard the word karma and dharma, but don't necessarily know what it means. Can you unpack the meanings of those words? Yeah. So your Dharma is your soul's purpose. It is the big reason why you are here. And it's not tied to one career or job or project or role that you play, but it's more like the frequency that your soul carries. It's your fullest expression and it can be connected to so many different manifestations. So for example, your Dharma may be to bring beauty to this world. So throughout your life, you may have been an interior designer and then a florist and then a graphic designer, a wedding planner, so many things that you can do. Maybe your home is very beautiful. Your Instagram feed is very beautiful. And you may be kicking yourself of like, oh, like, why do I keep changing my mind? I must not have a purpose. But actually the Dharma was the same. You you were bringing beauty to this world and bringing your own unique version of it. So your Dharma is more like that mission statement that connects everything in which you do and how you do it. And it's also in relation to your highest form of joy and highest form of service. So it's how you are meant to uplift the vibration of the planet in a way that naturally feels good for you. I love that. And what's karma? Yeah. So both words, Dharma and karma have many definitions in Sanskrit, which is the language that they derive from. Um, the word karma is one that we often think just means what goes around comes around. Mm -hmm. And really it's much more complex than that. You know, karma essentially means bounded action by the universe. So karma is not really this thing that's like out to get you. And the definition with dharma, I like to think of your dharma is your fullest expression. And imagine you were born on this highway and you're moving towards your dharma. There's nothing ahead. It's you and your dharma 
And while you're going on cruise control down this highway, you're feeling flow, you're feeling synchronicity, you're, you're meeting the right people at the right time. You're listening to the right podcast. It's telling you exactly what you need to hear. It's almost like the universe is propelling you in that direction because the universe wants you to be, be living your Dharma. So this experience that we feel this flow in Sanskrit is called Kriya boundless action by the universe. So it's propelling you towards your Dharma. Now, this is how life was really meant to to be lived. However, we live in this society that there are many exits off of Mm -hmm. this highway. And these exits look like, hey, well, everyone you know is moving to New York and doing this, or well, you'll make a lot more money doing that, or your family will disown you if you do that, or Mm -hmm. one in a million only make it doing that, Mm -hmm. or whatever it sounds like, you know, for you and (laughs) around you. Or this person's super hot, and although there are tons of red flags, I'm going to get into a relationship with them. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So there's all these different exits that we get off, and we see everyone around us is getting off of them too. So then we start questioning, well, I'm the only one on this highway now. I don't even know if this Dharma place exists. Is this like a Disneyland place that is like a bunch of, you know, hocus pocus. They tell you as a kid, follow your dreams. Then you get older and realize it was like a Santa Claus story. Like, should I get off one of these exits too, before it's too late? So most of us will get off of an exit. We'll succumb to, to one of these fears. And then the universe responds because the universe wants us to be living in Kriya in that flow towards our Dharma. The universe responds in the only language that we can sometimes understand, which is through pain. And at first, when you make that turn off of that exit, you're moving the wrong direction. The universe responds, tap, tap, tap. Maybe you're anxious. Something feels off. You don't want to go for work. You're feeling low energy. But most of us look around and we say, oh, well, I guess everyone feels like this. So, you know, got to drink more coffee, drink more wine, medicate more, keep going. So then you continue off that exit and the universe is like, okay, you are still not responding. Knock, knock, knock. Mm -hmm. And that is like maybe a breakdown or, you know, a panic attack or just really feeling off things, really not working in alignment. But again, most of us think life's tough, get a helmet, get through Mm -hmm. it. And we keep going. And then the universe eventually is like, okay, you have not been listening to the signs we have been sending you. So we are going to send you a situation that, you know, you have no choice, but to look at your life differently, Mm. you know, and it could be a a true breakdown, a collision, an accident. You know, a friend of mine said he was partying too much and then he stepped on a hair strainer and like burned his foot and like literally Mm. couldn't walk to the glove anymore. So it could, (laughs) it could look like anything. So that is something that really knocks you off your feet quite literally. And causes you to rethink your life. So mm-hmm. for, you know, for me, it was my health condition for someone else. It could be their divorce for yourself. It was your experience of having this career and your quarter life crisis. It could, mm-hmm. and, and different stages of these happen throughout our lives too. It's not a one-time process, but we get to this, this point of, okay, if I continue this life like this, I'm going to be living in this perpetual pain. So oftentimes we, we learn from this lesson and we course correct. For example, Eckhart Tolle, he reached suicidal ideation and then, you know, realized the power of now and changed his life. And some people live in this state of collision after breakdown, after accident, after catastrophe. And we all might know some of these people who every time you talk to them, everything is falling apart and it's always the world's fault and and never their own. So 
that is not out to get you. It's not because you're a bad person. It's, it's not here to cause you any pain in, in a bad way that we kind of think karma is. It's here to make you look at the uncomfortability of your life so you can see what is out of alignment, what needs to shift. And that is when we make those maneuvers, we look at what is no longer serving us. And this process looks so different, you know, for so many different people, but the whole point of it is to bring us back in alignment with our Dharma. Mm, mm. So we can get back into Kriya, that express lane on the highway towards our Dharma. So one of the questions I get so often and I'm sure you do too, is how do I figure out my purpose, my dharma? What suggestions do you have for people, Sahara, that just really don't know? Like they want to, they, they don't think they're on the highway at all. They Or that maybe there's not a highway for them. Maybe they're just somebody that came in without dharma. And a second, like a follow-up to this question is, does dharma always have to translate to career? Or does it mean much more than that? Yes. So I used to ask people I would meet, Hey, do you know what my purpose is? Because I <laughs> genuinely had no, I thought maybe they, they knew, you know, right. and you know, sometimes we look at like, Oh, well, like Adele's purpose was having a great voice. It was so obvious for her. And, you know, there are so many different types of purpose. And I share these four types of, of purpose in the book, but the first one is you have a gift and you know that you are meant to share this gift. Now, does that mean you're going to No. So you may have been born with an incredible voice or ability to host events or whatever else it is. However, you still have to train. You still got to work mm-hmm. on this gift and the skill, you know, Adele didn't just like show up and, and have this voice. She still has put in so much practice, but that first type is for those people out there who are like, I know I'm really good at this thing, but I'm afraid of doing it. The second type is the breakdown breakthrough. So this is many, you know, authors, speakers, coaches, et cetera, that you had some form of breakdown again, could look like so many different ways. And that caused you to look at life a different way. So maybe right now you're, you're in the breakdown right now, but you're kind of seeing, Oh, well maybe, maybe this is the thing that I can later share, share with people once I found my way alongside it. Mm-hmm. So a breakdown could be anything from, again, a, a divorce, a health scare, moving, whatever it looks like for Getting you. Getting fired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. 2020. The, yes. Yes. <laughs> many breakdowns. <laughs> so the third type is you had an obstacle that you have overcome and you have overcome it and now want to help others. So for example, I share in the book, this woman had really bad social anxiety and she couldn't really read social cues that well. So she started to make these flashcards for herself. Okay. This means that they're excited and this means they're nervous and this means they're, you know, et cetera, to try to understand facial characteristics in a deeper way. And she began sharing them with her friends and they're like, this is so good. Can you put this on a blog so we can access this? So she began sharing it on a blog. And then from sharing it on a blog, she got all of these readers and all of these people who also have social anxiety. And that later led her to writing a book and then creating courses and now having this entire platform to help people with social anxiety. Mm. So this is just an obstacle she's overcome. It wasn't necessarily a breakdown, 
But that obstacle for someone else could be, I don't know how to dress for my pear-shaped body, or, you know, I don't know how to get along with my in-laws or, or whatever else it is that you've been able to overcome as big or as, as small as it feels. But chances are, if you've overcome it, someone else has, you know, is looking for that support as well. And then the fourth type is you have helped someone else overcome an obstacle and are now feeling passionate about helping others as well. So for example, maybe you had a mother that has dealt with cancer or, you know, some form of disease because someone you deeply care about has this, maybe that got you onto researching, you know, cancer, alternative cancer treatments and nutrition and therapies, et cetera, that then you become very passionate about this topic. And though you personally did not experience it, now you're wanting to help others. So, you know, it could be the environment or human rights issues or so many different things. You don't have to personally have had that issue to want to help it for others. So I think that you know, I love to share just like different experiences because mm -hmm. I think sometimes we like romanticize this idea of like, I was on my couch and I came up with the idea of Uber and I like right. got off the couch <laughs> and I made the company and here it is. And it's like, it's not always that way. Um, so I think knowing that there are so many different ways to get to your Dharma, there are so many different, you know, pathways. And then also we put so much focus on how do I find my purpose? And it's not this thing out there that you go and find and search for and like hunt it down. It's a remembering you, you actually already know your Dharma. It's in, it's encoded inside of you. It's your naked body. However, we have put on all of these layers of mm -hmm. articles and things. So it's, it's a stripping, it's a, it's a unraveling. So for me, archetypes have been really helpful. And I know you love archetypes as mm -hmm. well. So in, in, um, discover your Dharma, I have these nine Dharma archetypes, which for me were really created to be able to help people to see what they are. So these nine Dharma archetypes are the teacher, the artist, the warrior, the entrepreneur, the researcher, the activist, the visionary nurturer and entertainer. So again, we're all nine of these archetypes in, in various amounts, but seeing, you know, am I the teacher archetype? Do I come alive when I'm teaching concepts to people? And, you know, maybe you haven't done that yet as an adult, but as a child, when you were studying for a test, you were helping someone else learn it by teaching it to them. And that's how you grasped a concept. Then chances are you have some teacher in you. If you're an artist, you probably have a natural way of expressing yourself through everything that you do. This entire world is a canvas for you. If you're a warrior, you probably really like to rally around a cause, feel like you're part of a team that's, that's going about a shared goal. Maybe you love CrossFit or, you know, being part of team sports. So that is directly a part of your Dharma. If you're an entrepreneur, you're here to help solve the world's problems through sustainable solutions. So maybe you look at something like the environment, but for you, you want to come up with a business plan that can help save the environment. You know, for example, Tom's shoes, you know, he looked at how many children out there don't have shoes and created a company that can then provide a free pair of shoes for everyone that, that buys these shoes. So that's a very entrepreneur like thing to do. The researcher, you're here to understand things in a very deep way. So you're curious, you're inquisitive, you want to ask questions. So Deepak Chopra has a lot of the researcher to him. You know, he, he has the visionary qualities as well, but it's really through this lens of how do I show people through science and data and analytics that spirituality and meditation are real. So as a researcher, you probably really want to look at maybe the past or history or maybe the future technology innovation, but 
getting lost in research for you feels like your happy place. And that's because it's what you're meant to do. Mm. Yeah. And then I have a couple others, which I can go into, Yeah, but please do, please do. Yeah. Um, so then the activist is here to bring about social, political, cultural, economical, any kind of change. They're very focused in what is happening in our present day reality, this, this 3D world right here. And we can't bypass over it when we have all of these issues happening, you know, right here with our neighbors. So the activist feels a strong sense of responsibility. You know, I'm, I'm here as a human taking resources and it's my responsibility to make this world a better place. So if you are someone that really cares about you know, global causes, cultural causes, you know, financial sovereignty, et cetera, and bringing about change in a really grassroots way, then you have the activist archetype alive in you. The next one is the visionary and the visionary's dharma is here to usher in the new paradigm. So they're very big picture oriented. They see the way that the world can be heading. They see solutions that other people may not, but it's coming more from an inspirational or even metaphysical lens than, for example, the entrepreneur. So the visionary, let's say they want to help the environment, they would give a talk of how we're all connected to each other and earth and Pachamama and, you know, hit it at more of the inspirational angle, whereas the entrepreneur would be much more of a, of a practical solution. So the visionary's gift is their charisma, their communication, and more so than what they say, it's their energy that they're transmitting. You know, for example, Barack Obama has a lot of visionary archetype within him. So regardless of if you believed in his politics or not, he has a strong sense of charisma. He rallied people around a new shared vision. Martin Luther King, who we just celebrated his day of, um, Gandhi, so many different figures had that visionary archetype in them. Mm. Then we got the nerve nurturer. And the nurturer is here to care and connect here to dive deep. So a lot of the, the coffee like qualities that we were talking about, they want to connect and understand people from a really personal level. And, you know, whereas the teacher will tell you, okay, here's the knowledge and I'm passing it along to you. The nurturer is more interested in drawing the knowledge out of you. So coaches, space holders, healers, etc. And then the last one is the entertainer. And the entertainer is here to make us feel, laugh, mm. cry, think, feel nostalgic. They really come alive when they have any form of audience. And that could be, you know, when you're, when you're in a car, leaving a concert, you're stuck in the car for four hours. The, the entertainer in the car is going to be telling jokes and doing karaoke and doing skits. Like a mundane moment for them is really when they come alive because they love to entertain. And that's actually how they're meant to bring about change. So Sasha Baron Cohen is a great example of this, that he, he plays many different roles. He's Ali G he's Borat, he's Bruno, he's all these different things. And he's making us laugh along the way, but also causing us to see the world through a new lens. Mm. So that is what the entertainer does. Jim Carrey, literally morphing into these different figures, but entertaining our way into, you know, deeper awareness. So the Dharma archetypes, I think, are a really great place to start if you're not sure what your Dharma is, because I think we put so much so much emphasis on how do I improve myself? How do I get better? And the truth is you aren't even a self. You're not even a mind and body to improve, but rather you are a soul to know. Mm. And the more that we can get to know ourselves and and realize that I am I am 
only understanding a mere droplet of the ocean that I am. And I have all these archetypes and tools and facets to myself that I have not yet discovered yet. I am already whole. I just don't know the whole picture. So these archetypes just provide us with a deeper layer. And then from these archetypes, and again, we're all nine of these archetypes in various amounts, I tend to find there are two or so archetypes that are the highest in each person that's stick with them throughout their lives. The middle ones tend to shift according to what's happening in your life. And then you tend to have one that's like, I really don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. So for me, the the visionary and teacher are my highest ones. The warrior is my lowest one. And then, you know, for example, 2020, my entertainer came up because I got on TikTok and that was a lot of fun. But <laughs> do I want to be an actress now? Probably not. But that, that archetype got to have some fun this year. So when we can see ourselves as this combination of the different archetypes and we could say, okay, if I'm a teacher artist, how can that come together? If I'm a nurturer visionary, what does that look like together? And it gives us some more tangible tools to take action on. And I love this too, because we're not really taught this in school. The way we're taught to find a career is basically, you know, what are the kind of things you're good at, which may not be the things you enjoy and what makes money. And I think so many people kind of get stuck in careers where it may give them some form of safety and security, but it isn't that they've taken an exit. They've taken an exit. And I think it's hard to get back on. So for people that know they've taken an exit and they're so far off the freeway, how do they get back on? What are some things that they can do to get back to their dosha? Mm. So I would start with, and if you're not even sure what it looks like, if you can think of anything that you used to love to do, maybe it's something you used to love to do as a child, teenager in college, and it could feel totally random. Like you remember you really loved to play the piano when you were a kid or something like that. Just start right there. Just one thing you know that you once loved to do. And from doing that, it actually will just give you more energy, will put you in a higher vibrational alignment that the next stage reveals. So for example, maybe you love to play the piano as a kid But really the reason why you love to play the piano is because your grandma was watching you and you love to make her happy and you love that connection that you had with your grandma in that moment and, and how your hearts really were, you know, together on this same melody. Well, chances are there's some nurture archetype in you and maybe it's music therapy that ends up happening. I don't know exactly how it will unfold, but look at these little breadcrumbs, follow them. And then the next stage will reveal. Mm. And you also have a dosha archetype quiz that people can take, don't you? Yes. So we have um, on my website, the dosha quiz, as well as the Dharma archetype quiz. And it's beautiful because the Dharma archetypes are actually based off of the dosha. So you will find the similarities of, you know, if you're Vata, you probably will have some of the teacher, the visionary, the entertainer. If you're Pitta, you're probably going to have the warrior, the entrepreneur, the researcher, the activist. If you're Kapha, probably going to have the nurturer, maybe the teacher. So it's beautiful to see that you're, you're not just this thing in a vacuum, but actually all facets of you are interconnected. And again, they're all perfectly designed for you to be living in alignment with your Dharma. Mm. And last question before we talk about your book, why is it more important than ever, especially with this past year for people to get back on that freeway, do whatever they need to do to stop taking the exits, to stop taking side streets and get back on their freeway to their dosha and their Dharma? Mm. I believe the only way that the world can come into balance is when we're living in alignment with our dharmas. 
You know, we have seen what it looks like to try to force activism or try to force people to show up in a certain way when it's not in alignment with their truth. And it, it doesn't work and it can actually create more harm. We were each designed to serve in the way that we are meant to. We need people dreaming up the new preschools and the ways that we eat and the new forms of technology that we have and the ways we clean our ocean. We need all of it. And guess what? There's someone who is so excited, whose who's dreams are exactly about those things, but maybe they're not giving themselves permission to do it yet. So yes, it can feel very overwhelming when we're continuing to see more and more shadows of the world. And it can feel like, well, they need my help here and they need my help over there. And, and, and then you can feel very stuck of not knowing what to do. Mm -hmm. So the highest form of activism that you can truly do is to focus on your Dharma, letting it come from a place of joy, because that way will be sustainable Yes, and you'll actually create a change solution, not a post and ghost, <laughs> an actual solution of something that you can bring about change for. And that can come from you creating the new art that, that inspires young minds, or you doing the research that creates the next innovation or, or, or teaching our elderly to understand understand the world in a different way. Like we need all of these different layers. And I believe there is no greater time for people to discover their dharmas than right now, because we have this incredible tool of the internet that we can listen to podcasts like this and we can Google search things and then find whatever books and resources that we need. And it's also no coincidences that we have chosen to be alive in this time. So take advantage of all of it, follow the excitement, and then also focus on your Dharma and really see that change through. I couldn't agree more. And I think a lot of people feel, especially this year when they saw so many things that they, that broke their heart and wanted to step up and want to be activists. And, and I really, in my own process and asking, you know, what can I do? I don't have the arc, the activist archetype, but I do have the teacher. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I can, I can teach people how to take action from not a triggered place because I want to speak to the activists to come from love and to come from their intuition and not come from a reactive place. I want to help them harness that. And so when I realize, oh my gosh, I'm not really an activist and I'm, I'm bad because I'm not, it's like, well, how can I use the archetypes that do come naturally to me to help the activists, to help the innovators, to, to help those archetypes that I might not be strong in? Because we cannot be everything. We just cannot. And when we try to, then then we're taking an exit route from my point of view. And we just are muting our own dharma and can't make the impact we're here to make. So really for anyone listening, if you want to make the impact you're here to make, you want to know what your dharma is and you're sick of playing small, you're sick of living in fear, you're sick of living according to somebody else's rule, then I, I highly suggest you think about everything the Sahara has said and also check out her new book, which is a, such a beautiful cover, by the way, Sahara. I love it. Uh, it's called Discover mm. Your Dharma, A Vedic Guide to Finding Your Purpose. And you can tell just by listening to Sahara, she's such an amazing teacher. She's also really embodied. This comes from her experience. And the book has so many stories, which I love, but also really practical and fun exercises and ways to get you not just thinking about your dharma, but really feeling it. So you can check that out. I'm sure you have it on your website and Amazon and all the places books are sold. Yes. 
yes, they can find all of those tools and resources. I have my Dharma embodiment practice, meditation and tapping practice, which are also free bonuses available on my website, which is I am sahararose.com slash Dharma. And she has a great podcast as well. So you can just stalk her on all the places, watch her dance moves on TikTok and all the things. Sahara, thank you so much for stepping into your dharma and really living your dharma and helping the rest of us step into ours as well. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, Christine. It was such an honor to be here today. 